Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. Joined in the studio today with Rebecca Felt. She's the program coordinator for the American Friends Service Committee, or AFSC. The American Friends Service Committee is celebrating its 100th anniversary this year. Yeah, we are celebrating 100 years of speaking truth to power. AFFC, for those who might not know, is actually a Quaker organization. And it started back in 1917 with Quakers who did not want to go to war. They didn't want to be a part of World War I and instead went and served at hospitals, helping out refugees in Europe. And that's kind of where the organization got its start. Since then, we've expanded into a lot of different areas, including immigrants' rights, ending discrimination, just economies, so helping people build out of poverty, and then what we focus on here in Arizona, which is addressing the issue of prisons and mass incarceration. Why do you think it is that Tucson, Arizona's AFSC focuses on mass incarceration? Arizona has a lot of factors that cause us to be the fifth highest incarceration rate in the country and the most highest incarceration in the West. We have a big push for strict sentencing. We have some of the harshest sentencing for driving under the influence in DUIs. We have a push for mandatory minimum sentencing, so requiring that people go to prison for a long time. And we also continue to push things like truth in sentencing, which was something that was a part of the 1994 crime bill under Bill Clinton that required that people serve 85% of their sentence, no matter what. And while many states have reformed that, Arizona continues to have truth in sentencing for every single person, whether it was a violent or nonviolent crime, whether there was a victim involved. And that's just caused our prison population to really balloon. What in particular is AFSC Arizona doing to address these issues? We have a couple of different segments so that we can address this because it's not one single issue, right, to address the issue of mass incarceration. So we have things like addressing conditions of confinement, so making sure that people are well cared for. A couple of years ago and continuing today, we still have had issues with people receiving proper health care in prisons. So we'll correspond with incarcerated individuals and try to push them towards resources if they need help getting the things they need in prison. Also, keeping track of things like solitary confinement and the problems that that can cause for individuals. We know that more people with mental health issues are in solitary confinement, people who identify as gay, lesbian, transgender, and people of color. And that causes a lot of harm to the individual. It also makes people more likely to end up back in prison because they haven't had resources that they need. So that's one part of it. Another part of it is trying to change sentencing laws. So let's stop putting as many people in prison in the first place. And that comes in a, you know, a couple different ways. One is, why are we putting people in for certain things that we've decided to criminalize? Things like drug addiction, homelessness, poverty, where people can't afford to you know, hire their own lawyer or get bail or anything like that. So we kind of say we should be addressing those problems before anybody ever ends up behind bars. You hear a lot of talk now about rehabilitation programs in prison or 
even Governor Ducey said that he wants to implement a reentry program. Well, why are we waiting until after people are in prison to give them the resources to make them better? We should be addressing that before because we know that prison can cause harm and trauma to individuals. So we're just pushing them through a cycle that they'll continue to go through. And it doesn't just affect them. It affects all of the community. And then another big area that we focus on is privatization of prisons. And this is something that Arizona really likes and our legislators have been going for for a long time. We have 16 prisons that are run by the state here in Arizona, and six of those are privatized, which means that the state contracts with a private company. Generally, they have contracts where they require 90 to 100 percent occupancy at those times. So that incentivizes the state to keep those prisons filled. And these contracts can last 10 years. And even when there are problems, such as the riot at the Kingman facility in 2015, we see those contracts just shift to another prison company. With the Kingman riot, Management and Training Corp was the private prison that had that contract. And now Geo Group has it. And we've seen reports across the country and then here in Arizona where these prisons are just horrible conditions, awful treatment. The staff don't get paid as well. It's, it's just a myriad of problems for everybody. And we keep seeing that the government proposes to build more prisons and they want to put these contracts out to private prisons. And it's just a cycle we keep seeing here in Arizona. And it's not good for the people who are incarcerated. It's not good for those communities. Talk a little bit more about the Kingman riot. What was it that happened? Why is that something that you see perhaps happening more in a private prison than a state-run prison? So the root cause of that riot that occurred were incarcerated individuals who said that they were not getting the health care that they were requesting. So at any time, you know, you're in a facility where you're being surveilled and monitored at all times, you have to go through a lot of hoops to get what you want or what you need even. So if somebody needs a medical care, they have to fill out a piece of paper and it has to go to their correctional officer and that has to go to the warden and be approved. And when the medical care in our prisons was privatized a couple of years ago and is now run by a private company called Corizon, we saw a lot of people not getting the treatment they needed and the rate of people dying in our prisons go up a lot. So that was something AFFC was monitoring before the riot happened. And then those incarcerated in Kingman got so frustrated with the process and just didn't see any other way to get help because you have to contact lawyers if you want help. You have to be able to have the resources to sue, you know, to go about it the legal way. But when you have a lack of resources, unfortunately, humans act the way that they need to in desperate situations, right? So a lot of the incarcerated people got upset about that, caused the riots to happen. But we see at the same time with these private companies, the guards who work there often have less training. They get paid less because it's all about the bottom line, right? If it's a private company to make money, they want to have that money to go to the people who own the company or their stockholders. So it just kind of imploded into this huge problem. And a lot of incarcerated individuals were hurt. A lot of guards were hurt. And we saw that this is an ongoing problem. And there were reports that came out from the Department of Corrections. American Friends, we did our own report through the testimonies of individuals who were there at the front lines. And 
it just goes back to things that we've seen over and over again, where these are unsafe conditions and people don't seem to care that there are real people affected by this because they just went and rewrote that contract for GeoGroup, who has had many problems in other states like Mississippi, Florida, where a lot of their facilities have been shut down by those states because it's been awful conditions. Are there any particular pieces of active legislation this year pending in the state of Arizona that addresses these issues or legislation that you're watching? AFFC, we have worked on writing legislation the last couple of years, and we've been really successful in getting bills passed to kind of small incremental change, because it's really hard to work in Arizona on these issues, right? This year, we were able to focus a little bit more on what we call collateral consequences of incarceration. So, you know, a lot of people think when you go to prison, it's like, okay, you, you do the crime, you do the time. And when you come out, you know, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, you know, don't do the bad thing again. But we've built a system that creates so many barriers for people and makes it really hard to be successful. I think a lot of people have filled out a job application and seen the box that asks, have you been convicted of a felony? And if you mark that, you're way less likely to get a job. If you don't mark it and they find out, you're likely to get fired from that job. So the bills that we worked on this year focused on areas for those collateral consequences to try to help people be successful when they're able to be released from prison. We did one on provisional licensing that has moved through one of the houses so far, and we're hoping it gets passed, which basically allows people who have had a felony conviction a provisional license from job boards. Because a lot of boards, including everything from cosmetology to embalmers to masseuse, you have to get approved by a board to be licensed in that. And a lot of them can discriminate solely based on the fact that you have a felony conviction, even if it has nothing to do with the employment. We are hoping to pass this bill so that people can get a provisional license to show that, hey, I'm capable of this job. I know what I'm doing. I have a felony history, but that doesn't impede my ability to do this work so that people can get their foot in the door and be successful and get that full-on license after that. You're listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. My guest today is Rebecca Felt. She's a program coordinator for AFSC Arizona. That's the American Friends Service Committee. AFSC is celebrating its 100th anniversary, and here in Tucson, the celebration takes place on Tuesday, March 28th. Yeah, we were fortunate enough to work with La Cocina downtown to be able to host this event on Tuesday as part of their Tuesdays for Tucson series. We're really excited. We're not only going to be talking a little bit about what AFSC does and our mission and how important it is, especially in the current political environment, but we're also going to have music from Billy Seldmeyer, who is, you know, a Tucson legend and everybody loves. We'll also have poetry readings from the North Star Collective, which is a group of individuals who have been within the criminal punishment system, whether they were through the court system or incarcerated themselves, sharing their experiences through poetry. And it's, it's a really beautiful project by my coworker, Grace Gomez, that she has been working on. And we were able to see a little taste of it at the Tucson Festival of Books. And we just want to continue to share that art. And people will really get to 
hear from experts they don't often get to hear about, which are people who have been through the system and those at the front lines. We will also be having a silent auction with a lot of great goods and services donated from local business owners here in Tucson. Borderlands Brewing Company, Five Points Market, some massages and acupuncture, the Tucson Children's Museum, the Botanical Gardens, all things like that are going to be available, as well as some beautiful photography and some artwork from people. We're really excited to show that off. And it's going to be, you know, silent auction. Come and see what you want. Put down what you'd like. And we will hopefully be able to give it to you that evening. And proceeds support your work in the field of mass incarceration. Yeah, absolutely. As well as immigration detention. That's something that we definitely think we're going to have to be working on in the next couple of years. It's something we're very concerned about. So that falls back into a lot of our work with the privatization. A lot of these immigration detention facilities that originally we thought were going to start seeing a decline when the Justice Department last summer said they weren't going to privatize these facilities anymore. Jeff Sessions came out a couple of weeks ago and said, nope, we're, uh, we're going to revoke that. We want to continue to use the private prisons to house immigrants and people who are here without legal paperwork. And we're very concerned about that. And that's really important work that we need to be focusing on in the next couple of years. What are your specific concerns? We've really, in this country, criminalized migration. You know, it used to be Before we closed borders, a lot of people would come and work and they'd go back to their families and take the money there. And it was just basic understanding of these are people providing for themselves and they come and work a lot of jobs that people here don't want to do. And when we closed our borders, a lot of people were so scared of leaving that they decided to stay. And that's the pattern we've seen pretty much since the middle of the 80s. We're really concerned as there's been a crackdown on people who have not committed any crimes, have not caused any harm, things for civil violations like parking tickets, getting pulled over. And even now we're hearing reports of people who aren't asking for help when they're in domestic violence situations because they're scared of being deported. And that really fractures communities. That doesn't bring us together. We don't want that to happen. And we see that's the direction it's going in. And we need to keep talking about it and going against it. Rebecca Falk, it seems like you're working on some really big issues that are all interrelated, all within the state of Arizona, immigration detention and mass incarceration. And you're a small organization. How do you make an impact? Our office has been really fortunate in the last couple of years to get some wonderful grant monies from the Langloth Foundation and the Public Welfare Foundation. It used to be the office was just two people and we're at five full-time staff now and everybody has amazing experience and skills. So we really try to work together and make that happen. But we can't do it without a lot of the coalitions we work with. A lot of the other people in the community, like No More Deaths and Border Links, are people we communicate with, as well as working with the city. We're trying to work on doing some city ordinances to prevent the use of companies that do have human rights issues. So we really do build connections here in Tucson, and Tucson's a great place to do that. You know, a lot of passionate, caring individuals who want to make change. With the North Star Collective that I mentioned earlier, One of the biggest things we're working on is empowering individuals who have been at the front lines, who have been at the system, who are often ignored as experts in that field. People don't necessarily think, oh, you've been incarcerated, therefore I should listen to you on the experience. We hear more from bureaucrats or prison employees. 
we should be listening to those individuals because they know better than anybody what prison's really like. So trying to bring in those people, let them share their stories. And when we write our legislation now, we often have groups of people from North Star look it over and tell us, oh, yeah, that's really important. Or that's an area we shouldn't bend on as we try to make negotiations with the legislator to get those bills passed. So it's really about building that community, hearing everybody's perspective and finding a path forward to reduce the harm that's happening and really create community safety for everybody. There's a lot of people who feel that the consequences are justified, that if somebody has done something illegal, then they deserve the sentence that they have. Or if somebody is in the country without the correct documentation, they deserve those consequences. What do you say to that? I think it's really hard. We have to recognize that people often make poor choices and and there can be harm that comes from that. But there's been a lot of studies lately that have come out um, from the perspective of victims. And most of the time, if you actually speak with somebody who's been victimized, they understand that prison is not going to help that person. We've removed any idea of rehabilitation or correction from our prison system. These people who have been victims will say, I want to make sure that nobody gets hurt again like I did, whether that's, you know, they were robbed or whether they were victimized in a certain way. And I would say, don't we want to address the root cause of those issues? If somebody is maybe addicted to drugs and they're breaking into homes because they're feeding their habit, to that person at that moment, that's a logical choice because they're being fed by this chemical dependency. Shouldn't we address that as opposed to putting them in a cage for years and hoping that they've learned their lesson? That's not the way that we can go about it. It doesn't work. And that's why we have almost a 50% recidivism rate here in the state of Arizona at this time. And if any other agency in the state was at 50% when they're failing, we would be up in arms about it. But we're not because we like to put that label of a bad person on those who are incarcerated. But if you really look at it, at this point, pretty much everybody, through a couple degrees of separation maybe, knows somebody who's been in the system and knows somebody who's been negatively affected. We can't continue to just move along because it seems too complicated to fix at this point, right? If we really want to address these issues, we need to recognize that these are human beings who have made mistakes and we want to make sure that they don't hurt anybody else and they don't hurt themselves. And the only way to do that is to actually help the individual, whether that's through schooling, through drug rehabilitation, through medical care oftentimes that they need, and not just put them in Florence or Eloy and Kingman and not think about them for five years until they return to our community. Another piece of work that we do that is continued to be really important in the current political environment is what we've called the treatment industrial complex. And that kind of expands. I think a lot of people now are familiar with the term, the prison industrial complex. And we're saying, okay, we need to take that a step further. Because right now we're seeing a lot of areas of surveillance and watching of individuals expanding. It's not just in prisons. It's moving into our community with things like ankle monitors. It's moving into our mental health facilities where people need to get approval before they can ever leave. And we see people stay in there a long time. And as people have become more critical of prisons, 
The private prison industries have seen that and shifted their work into these other areas. So we see companies like GeoGroup opening up GeoCare, which is supposed to be reentry centers and mental health facilities for individuals. But they're still GeoGroup. They're still making money off of people who are in these situations. So as we see the reform movement starting to be embraced and prison being less of a taboo subject as it used to be, we have to continue to be aware of these areas so that we're not continuing to sign contracts and getting stuck with these companies who want to make money. They don't want to help people. That's their end goal. So the treatment industrial complex work that's led by my coworker Emily Verdugo is so important now, especially in the political era as we're moving through it. And as we say we want reform, we have to make sure we're doing it well. Yes, that sounds like a tricky point to make to people to explain, because just a few minutes ago, you were discussing the need for treatment. I mean, how do you differentiate between good treatment and legitimate treatment and treatment industrial complex? Yeah, it's it's hard, right? And the biggest part we want to make with that is what are the incentives of companies? With these private prison industries, you can read their annual reports and they'll say, we made, you know, X amount more money when we built this many more prisons. Yay. Aren't you happy as stockholders? So when they say they want to reform... As you start reading some of their reports, they'll say that it's bad for the company to do drug sentencing reform, even though overall in the country, most people are for things like legalizing marijuana, decriminalizing drugs, because we've seen the negative incentives of it. But that doesn't help the private prison industries. So they'll say this in their reports. But at the same time, they'll say they want to help people. Well, it seems like they're, they're crossing their lines there and it's not making sense, right? So with the treatment industrial complex, one of our biggest things is let's teach governments about writing accountability into these contracts. If 50% of people are coming back, are recidivating, you're failing. So we're not going to contract with you anymore. If you have human rights violations where you don't maintain your facilities, we don't want to do that. Ideally, we want to move totally away from privatization, right? Nobody should be making money off these things. And we need to give the opportunities for nonprofits, evidence-based type of therapies to move into these areas and make sure that people are held accountable for what's happening. We've been speaking with Rebecca Felk, Program Coordinator for American Friends Service Committee, hearing about the issues that they're working on here in the state of Arizona. The American Friends Service Committee is celebrating a hundred years of doing this work and related work. How can people learn more and do you need volunteers? So yeah, I mean, you can always find out more of what we do day to day and some of the reports we've done at our website, which is afscarizona.org. And obviously we have a Facebook page if you want to like us. We do have some volunteer opportunities. They kind of come and go throughout the year. If you sign up for our mailing list, we'll always keep you updated on what's available. And now, right now at the legislature, this is when we need a lot of action from individuals to be able to call their representative, write letters and say, I support prison reform and I support ending contracts with private companies because they need to know that from people. Politicians still think 
you have to be tough on crime to get reelected. And we need to show as a community that's not what we want. We want to find real solutions that don't harm people in the long run. We often also host movie showings if you're interested in learning more. We were lucky to be hosted by The Loft last month for a wonderful documentary showing. YWCA has hosted us as well, and we try to hold conversations and information. So that's a great way to kind of get your feet wet if maybe you're completely unfamiliar with prison reform and mass incarceration issues. We're always willing to talk it out, let people know of what's going on. And I think that's usually what puts people into action, right? Because if you don't know a problem, you can't address it. So we're always willing to educate and provide reading materials for anybody who's interested. And finally, another reminder that uh, you're holding a celebration. Yep, it'll be our 100-year celebration at La Cocina on Tuesday, March 28th. Any food or drinks you order from 5 until 10 p.m., 10% of that will go straight to us with their wonderful Tuesdays for Tucson initiative. And then we'll also have silent auction music, and poetry reading for you to enjoy. So we really hope you can make it out. You've been listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. My guest today has been Rebecca Felt. She's the program coordinator for American Friends Service Committee, Arizona. The organization is celebrating its 100th anniversary, and you can learn more at afscarizona.org.